You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I had uh, got involved in Shaduchim with a nice, very nice girl. However, his parents were against the Shaduch. Why? Because, who knows? They felt that she came from Eda Chelet. Maybe it was Ashkenazi and Sephardi. Maybe it was Chassidim and Misnagdim. Whatever it was, there was a prejudice that the parents had about persons from this group. Well, the Bokhar continued with the engagement. But his father was making himself sick over it. Anyway, it turned out that the father got sick because of it. The son came to Rav Zilberstein to say, should I the shidduch? This way, um, my father's ill over it. This way, the stress will be gone. He'll be able to be, he'll be able to perhaps be healthier. Rav Zilberstein said, if you look in your Redea, it says clearly, a person can marry a woman even if his parents are against it. What is the reason why? It's based on the Rabbi Yosef Colon, one of the great postkim in Italy, who was an Ashkenazi. He, was a, he actually moved to Italy from Germany, and uh, he became known as one of the postkim Hador. Italy was a much freer place to live than Germany. They didn't have the type of persecution there. And they welcomed these Gedolim who came from Germany and from Poland. The famous Maram Padova, he was a Katzen Ellenbogen. He came to Padova, he became one of the post Ador in the time of the Ramal. So Italy was like America. I don't know if Dr. Kogan is here with us, but I... Oh, yes. So you, oh, yeah. you, you appreciate am. the fact that Italy was a very free, much freer place for... For, yeah, for, and and and, and pa, University of Padua accepted people of all faiths in it. So right, and people. right, that was a medical school there that accepted everyone. That was the and reason. That's why the Maram went uh, of you know Karsenelbog came to Padua, started the yeshiva there. This yes. whole uh, the whole subject on its own. Yeah. Right, because it was a very tolerant, much more tolerant, and Yo, and Rabbi Yosef Colon also. So and many and, and it's to the credit of Italy that they accepted, just like America accepted Ramosha. Feinstein's Atzal, Rav David's father, and others, and they realized that the great men had come among them, and they were able to find a new place from which uh, to give out their Pisgah Alochot. We talked a couple weeks ago about the Rivosh and the Rashbats, who didn't always have the easiest um, uh, ways when they came to North Africa from Spain. Uh, even though you would think it's just over the river, over the ocean, it would be easier. It wasn't always easy for someone coming from a new place to establish themselves as who doesn't speak the language. Uh, another example, of course, is like the Rosh, um, who came uh, from Germany uh, to Toledo. So, but we do have many cases of that. The Marik is one of those Gedolim who was able to make that uh, jump from one country and retain, of course, his greatness and the respect everyone had for him. And he's quoted in Shulchan Aruch. And what are the reasons why the Marik gives? 
So one reason is, is because if a parent tells you to do an Avera, you don't listen. So the son wants this girl, this is who he wants to be his wife. It's also for him to marry someone else. So therefore, as far as you're concerned, they are telling you not to get married. Because you've chosen her. And they can't tell you to do an Avera. What if there's an intermarriage involved? Is it the, how does it play? No, obviously, if there's an Avera involved in your marriage, the one you want, that, of course, is, 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 would be a problem. Uh-huh. Uh, if they, but the, here it's a mitzvah. In other words, your mitzvah is this woman you've chosen. There's nothing in the Torah that says that, that, that you don't choose your own wife, of course. Um, this week's Parsha is sort of a little bit of a, um, goes against that, right? In this week's Parsha, we have uh, something different. We have uh, um, the Avram setting very strict parameters, but not exact parameters. He just said, I want you to go to Beislo. I want you uh, to go to, to Haran. I want you to go to, 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 to Beit Besuel. So um, anyway, the point being that... Um, uh, generally, though, Yitzchak Avinu might be a, uh, a, a very strong exception. Most of the time, you choose your wife. And therefore, if this is the wife you've chosen, now it's a mitzvah. You can't, your father can't stop you from that. Another reason is, is that we paskin in the Gemara and Kedushin that who pays for Kibbutz? The father does if he has the money. Now, let's say the father is indigent and has no funds, so the son has a responsibility to pay for the father's kibud from tzedakah. Now, we spoke about this last night with the psak of Rebel Yoshev, you might remember, when we talked about the, the mother-in-law Coming into the house, Moshe, you would have appreciated it was about taking a, a, an ill mother-in-law into the house. Um, and you can listen to it uh, um, again, what should be done in that case. In the case we talked about last night, the uh, husband was against taking in the mother-in-law on the condition that she would have the, the home dialysis. And that's where the Shiloh came up. But one of the reasons Rebel Yoshev gave... Uh, for the psak, um, where it was the daughter-in-law who doesn't want his her mother-in-law there, Rebel Yoshev said, was because you owe your wife a a house of shalom bias, and that's a, that's a fiduciary responsibility, and you can't force against her. Your, your, your mother, if this is something which in her mind means she's not getting the home she was supposed to get. That's what Rebel Yoshev explained. Now, that is like you're taking something away, as you said, we said, from your wife. Even though you have a mitzvah kibbutz. The Marik says something similar to say. He says that when you are in pain, because you can't have the woman you want. That's like your father has extracted something from you 
physical. It's, it can't be worse than, than money. You wouldn't have had to pay money to honor him. So why should you be in physical pain to honor him? The, 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 the honoring shouldn't come through your physical pain. That's no better, right? Or it should be it's just as good, bad as you having to take money out of your pocket, which you don't have to do if he has the funds. So therefore, he was saying that this is this is physically painful for you not to have this woman, so you don't have to do kibbutz in such a in such a case. The tsara goof comes from the sun. The third svara he gives is is that kibbutz is about making sure their needs are met. That's what's essentially what it is. They should be healthy. They should have company when, and they shouldn't fall into a depression when they're alone. They should have their clothes iron for them first, perhaps, if, if, if you want to, they should walk out in the street with kavod. But if they just make a demand, do this my way, the marik says, maybe that's not keep it off. Okay, if, if it doesn't hurt you at all, do what they say. But if they say, run around the block, right? Um, do 20 push-ups. Oh, you're here? Um, juggle these, these tomatoes for me. What does that juggling do for you? It doesn't help the father. So there the Marik says a thing which we find in the Ritva and Yavamot as well, in the Rashba and Yavamot and Yavamos. But that's not called, that's not called kibbutav v'em. Kibbutav v'em is not um, to <laughs> just do whatever they want. If they don't get a direct benefit from it, therefore, uh, there's no uh, kibbutav. And it's not like you are publicly fighting with them. Now, that could be a question, as we're going to see, because maybe it's Yirat. We know there's two mitzvot. There's Kibudav and there's Yirat Av, right? There's Morah and Kibud. And maybe if they put their foot down, maybe it might be Morah. But in terms of Kibud, the Marik says it's not. Um Rav Naftali Tzviyuda Berlin, the Rosh Hashiv Valojin, was machadish that if disagreeing with the parent is itself not insulting to them. But let's say, based on their standing, and again, I'm going to speak in terms that the Nitziv would speak about, who wrote in the 19th century. This girl comes from such a lower class family that it's an insult to the, um, to the parents that, um, that they're involved in a marriage with such a low family. Now, people like Rabbi David Feinstein Zatzal and others would not have registered these words, but it was a reality. And it's true. I had a case of that came to me a number of uh, years ago. 
not that long ago, actually, of uh, a, a person whose whose child had had found someone they wanted to get married to, and they didn't have a lot of problems with that child personally, but that child was raised by a, a homosexual couple. And in other words, the child had two fathers. So they wanted to break the Shidduch based on that. And that was the question that, 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 that whether their child needed to listen to them or not over that. Um, they felt that it was a terrible bizayon for the family. At least the father did. Um, you know, he was telling me, uh, what do you think? <laughs> What's going to be by the, uh, he was joking with me. What's going to be by the, uh, the, when we make, when we, when we write the tenoyim? Like, like what, who's going to break the plate? There's all right. Um, how are we going to walk down the aisle? Um, how would he, and, 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 and I was privy to the information. No one else knew about it. And the person was plotting over it. And um, I, I, what I discovered was there was no way that the child was going to, to, to break it off. And, and again, you can see that's the type of thing that maybe even in today's time uh, could cause a clone uh, to um, <laughs> to the parents. Um, maybe not. Maybe, but you could see how many families would. Now, where does the Nitziv get this Kiddush from? Because the Pasuk says, So even though you don't mean to, but if they, through your actions, feel totally embarrassed they can't hold their heads up in the community because everybody knows that their mechutanim are you know two gay guys then the parent the child is over an isur the nitziv says rav zilberstein says so that's obviously not the case over here she comes from a different group she's uh who knows she's gruzi they're temanim she's Sfardi, they're ashkenazim Right, that's not a reason. They that that's not something which is a clone. That is something Reb Zilberstein says is an identity issue that is wrong. We should stamp those things out. That's gaiva psula. They shouldn't be having these attitudes. Now, you're telling me that your father, Reb Zilberstein, says is getting sick over it. You're not making your father sick. He has this jukka in his head. A juk, by the way, is a uh, term the Israelis use for a cockroach. He has this juk in his head. And the Gemara says that the Rav Zilberstein said a very famous Gemara. There's a person who was so enraptured by a certain woman that uh, everything, uh, he, he always was interested in, in uh and being connected to her no matter what, and um, nothing could nothing could stop him from his lust for her, and he got sick over it. So to the point 
the Gemara says, that they thought that he would die from it. He had such pangs of erotic pangs for this woman. Um, so the doctor said, based on our mental reading of this person, um, the only thing that's going to calm him down is if he talks to her, if he can have a discussion with her, maybe some sort of whispering of sweet nothings or some sort of dirty talk, maybe, I don't know, behind the fence. The rabbis heard what the doctor said, and the rabbi said, no, he can't do it. No, well, not well, Yes. I just read today in Rambam that a specific psak uh, that it's absolutely asur. Right? That's the Gemara. The Gemara says, even though, what did he want to do? He just wanted to sit behind the fence. He wouldn't even see her. Just talk to her. The rabbi said, no, no. She is uh, an erva. She's an ishazish, whatever she was. You can't do it. And even though, based on the medical knowledge of the day, he would get so ill, he might die. Why? Why, why can't we save his life? Now, you could say, one of the reasons why you can't is because you can't save your life with Arayot. It's one of the three Averot Chamurot. But on the other hand, it's not really Arayot, is it? It's sort of connected to it. It's his fantasy in his brain. But is it, it's, he didn't, he wasn't, he wouldn't hug her, he wouldn't kiss her. So the greater Isser Zalman Meltzer writes in his Sefer because he, it's not an illness. This is an illness of his own psychological creepiness that happened. He's to blame for the illness. And therefore, even though this is not really Arayot, but it's sort of like it. And therefore, if, if the illness is something that he brought upon himself, you don't have to consider that. Here, the father getting so angry and upset that the that the that the that the that his son was marrying an Ashkenaziyah, whatever it was, if you want to say, that's your father's fault. You don't have to worry about that. So, let's say, however, the father says, "Look, the son says, look, I just want Shalom in the house. I'll break it." I'll break the shit. If we made the avart, but I see that, that, that my parents can't stand it, so I'm going to break it. Um, Rav Zilberstein said, you now have another responsibility to the kala. What about her? She's now going to have to live with the mark of someone who from a broken engagement. And even in today's liberal times, that's that's a mark. That's going to be a question mark every single time. And what about the fact that she might love you? Um, maybe, Rav Zilberstein says, if it's um, there's some way that the parents are keeping are, are uh, putting their foot down, Rav Zilberstein says it's probably going to be a problem anyway down the road, possibly. Um However, if the kawa is going to be affected, Rav Zilberstein feels that there's, it really should not be done. 
Um, I can tell you just uh, to, as an epilogue to this, I'm not going to say the names, and it's going to be hard for you to ever know. I had a chavruta in a, when I was younger. And um, he uh, got involved with a, a, a woman. And the woman um, was a number of years older than him. A very nice woman. And I got to know them very well because he told his uh, his 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 his, his fiance that he was going to be in the Beit Midrash learning, and she would always call the Beit Midrash at night looking for him, and I would answer the phone. And I used to learn with this fellow uh, during the afternoon seder. Now I didn't want to tell his fiance that that. Um, that, you know, that her, that her boyfriend, her husband, wasn't really learning. So whatever I said, oh, he happens not to be here. Anyway, I became very much his confidant because uh, I would help him out. And I used to hear him in one of the, uh, on the telephone, there was a pay phone, not everybody had their own cell phone, speaking, and I spoke Yiddish, of course, and he spoke Yiddish. Not everybody did. And I would hear him screaming and arguing with his father, who was a Holocaust survivor about this issue. And the father said, I don't want you, I could hear him, I don't want you to be married. No, this is not the girl for you. And I don't, this is not, no, no. And he would say, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to listen to you. And he would quote this marik. He would quote this piece of Shulchan Aruch It says, Meferish, in Shulchan Aruch, that if a father does cannot demand that a child pick his wife, and if the child wants a certain wife, the father, it's not part of Kibadav. Anyway, I was at the wedding as well. It was one of the first weddings of a friend of mine I ever went to, because um, I, again, I was young, he was a couple years older than me, and I remember it was like, it was, it was so labedic for me, because here's a wedding finally of a friend, and I remember how much we danced, as the wedding was ending, the father took the microphone and he said, this wedding is a symbol of a son who doesn't listen to a father. And he started, before benching, started talking about how that even though he's here, he wants to state that the wedding happened without his permission and that the, the son had gone against him. It was an extremely, extremely painful moment for everybody there. Well, the marriage happened, of course, and it was already at the Sheva Brachas. They had seven children. And the fellow um, took a trip to Eretz Yisrael. And um, he was there. He had become the head of a school. And he was going there to Israel to find teachers for a special program. In fact, he wanted me to do the research and also help administer this special history program with, with, with Gemara and history. And he'd gone there to Israel to find these teachers. And, and I had been in contact with him. And he was driving back 
from um, outside of Yerushalayim, and you know you go down uh, a very steep hill going down to Yerushalayim. And uh, I don't know what time it was. I, I forgot exactly the time of day, but it was a foggy night, and he was coming down at a very quick speed. I'm not sure if... And um, uh, he was involved in a terrible car accident, and he died leaving... um, all those children, you saw me. Many of them are doing very well. And uh, his wife got remarried after a long, long widowhood where she was mourning. And I, 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 it shook me to the bone what God wanted. Obviously, every people are taken young all the time. But I, I couldn't help feeling that somehow the father had put a big ayin hara on the shidduch. Again, I'm not God. Uh, uh, Rovak Kivlevich? Yes. Uh, did he marry the woman that was his fiancée or the, the one he has a, the, had a relationship with? No, no. He married a woman. That the father was so against the wedding, but, but it has the, nothing to do with the other one that he was. No, 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 no. I, I, I wasn't clear before. The father did not want this marriage to take place, and up to the point that he almost he he he, he publicly lambasted his, his son right, and, and right. declared to everyone at the wedding that this was not according to his will. Correct. Well, maybe why don't you think he came the other way? Maybe the father knew something and was trying to save his son. You're right. But you got to admit that there's something going on there, right? Uh, 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 Robert, uh, Robert, uh, again, I don't know if I'm blaming. It could be whatever. Maybe the son should have stopped. Maybe the son should have listened. I, I, I just feel the anger is what the problem was to me. The anger of the son screaming at his father on the phone. The Allah and Shulchan Aruch is this way. You can't tell me what to do. And then the son, the father screaming at the wedding, screaming through the phone the way I heard him. That's what I felt was somehow responsible for putting a cloud over this whole marriage. So when these things occur, I, I would say you have to be extremely careful uh, about this. And, and and again, it, sh- it shouldn't cost for Shalom lead. Anyway, again, I'm just telling you that it, it stayed with me for so, so many years. Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. Lehavdil. It, it's actually somewhat similar with what Prince Charles had with Princess Diana. He was really involved with and still is with Camilla. Uh-huh. And well, Princess Diana was, was a chiyuv, and, uh, but it was not really who he loved. So... Didn't work yeah. out either. Well, again, they Whatever were both. Either. The way I remember, I think Diana was also in a car accident. She was driving with right, uh, right. Interesting. So that's why I say that reminded me. Well, yeah, there they, way. there. I would say they were both. It was a marriage that was only meant to sort of like further the line. It wasn't exactly. a marriage of love. 
I yeah. think it was different. Here we have a marriage of love. Yeah. So who did I? I, I lost. I apologize. Ralph. So the fiance was the older woman, or was there two women involved? No, no, there weren't two women. The 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 the, the father was upset that she was older, and had okay. some other tightness on her. I don't know what it was exactly. But halachically, I, I think I thought the son was in the right except the part of yelling at the father. That's <laughs> right. That's what my point is, Sheila. The yelling that went both ways is what to me was the cloud over this. Um, that's what I believe happened. I, 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 I feel, uh, again, I, I remember it like yesterday, the, the father taking the microphone. And he was a small European Holocaust survivor. He reminded me of, of the tough guys that I knew who had survived the Holocaust, my father in some ways, um, you know, um, and it was, it was, it, it, you almost, again, it's, it's the type of thing that, that, uh, that, that I, I, I don't believe necessarily in, in curses, but I think that's the type of iron horror you can give to a whole a type of wedding like that. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.